Today on the podcast, we have Coach Jeff Heron, who is an assistant coach at Tennessee Tech University. He is the tight ends coach. He's also the transfer and junior college liaison. Coach Heron coached in high school for many, many years. Uh, who He had a 312-54 and record. He won five state championships. and He's the only Georgia prep coach to win state championships with three different schools. Coach Heron's a very humble man, so he doesn't give himself much credit. Uh, but he's a very, very good coach, a really, really good man. And I know y'all will love listening to him on the podcast. So after a short section from our sponsor, you will hear Coach Heron, and I know you will love it. Coach Heron, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on this morning. Well, thank you. It's great to be on. Coach, you, uh, you've had a long, very successful career. If you would please uh, just enlighten the listener about um, you know, who you are and where you came from and what you're doing. Well, uh, you know, I actually, originally I'm from Gate City, Virginia, which not too far from West Virginia there, you know, but uh, yeah, all the southwestern part of the state. Uh, went to high school at Gate City, was fortunate. I played for a, a gentleman named Harry Fry, who was the winningest coach in Virginia history uh, when he retired. And, uh, you know, I wasn't a really good player. I love football, but uh, I wasn't a great player. I wound up going to Emory and Henry. Uh, Division three school. We were transitioning from NAIA to Division three at the time, and uh, you know had a had a really fun career, I guess. Uh, we didn't win a lot of games, but you know certainly had a lot of great memories and you know love for the institution, and and had some really good coaches, both high school and college. That uh, you know I, I went there wanting to be a pharmacist. Um, I oh, left. Okay. I, I left wanting to be a football coach, you know, because. I just, the influence that the coaches had had on me in my life and and just, you know, they were, they were my favorite people other than my parents, you know, they had more influence on me than anybody. And uh, so I don't know, you know, the bug hit me in college and I decided I wanted to coach football and and that's what happened. That's awesome coach. And your career has taken you to a couple of different States and a couple of different stops and you've won a a whole lot of games and state championships. Talk about uh, your coaching career a little bit. Well, as I told you earlier, my, my first stop, when I got out of Emory and Henry, I came to Tennessee Tech as a graduate assistant. And, uh, you know, we, we were three and one to start the season, lost two of our best players, wound up three and eight, and our head coach got fired. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm, you know, 22 years old. I had no idea what that meant. Uh, but the next guy that came in uh, didn't want to retain me. Hmm. Uh, Grad assistant, and so I had a choice to make. I had a couple of choices college-wise, uh, and then a gentleman named Jimmy Dorsey uh, walked into the gym. I was playing basketball one morning, and he said, "Hey, how would you like to come to Georgia and, and be a football coach for me?" And uh, you know, it was near Atlanta. I'd, I'd never been to Atlanta. I thought, well, "Heck, uh, you know, why not?" So, wound up going to Georgia. I coached with Jimmy for. Um, guess five years and became a head coach and so my entire career was in Georgia um, until I retired from Prince Avenue Christian I guess in 2017 mm-hmm. or 2016 I guess I re- from Grayson I was at Grayson my last stop in Georgia uh, in 16 and then I moved to T.L. Hanna in South Carolina of course I could get my Georgia retirement and, and work there so I moved to South Carolina for 17 and 18 seasons and uh, decided I was going to retire for good. And I took last fall off and it about killed me. <laughs> you know, I just, oh, yeah, geez. 
Zach, I miss the camaraderie of the coaches. I miss the camaraderie of the players, you know. And I mean, I didn't miss practice. I missed the competition on Friday nights. You know, there were things I missed, things I didn't miss. But I wound up going to nine high school games during the season. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's just – I finally just thought, you know, heck, if you're going to do all this, why not Why not get back in coaching? But I was kind of – I'd done high school enough. I think I'd had my fill. Uh, this opportunity came open at Tennessee Tech. And like I said, I started here, met my wife here. We literally already had a house here that we had inherited. And uh, so it was an easy move, and I've really enjoyed it because it's different. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, a totally new offense. I've learned about recruiting from this side of the fence. Uh, so I've enjoyed it, and, and like everybody else, I'm sitting here right now hoping that we actually get to coach this fall. Yeah, and we were talking a little before we started the podcast. What do you think is going to happen? Like, what, what are you being told is going on? Well, you know, we hear different things all the time. I mean, for instance, we lost two of our games. Uh, you know, we had Minnesota on our schedule. Well, when the Big Ten canceled non-conference, we lost that one. We had North Carolina Central on the schedule, and, and their conference canceled. You know, so, I mean, that day we were all like, man, this ain't going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we picked up two people. Um, I, I can't really say who they are right now, but we picked up two right. kind of power five schools uh, to replace those two. And, you know, yesterday I left the office feeling pretty good about it. But then, you know, you, you get up the next day and somebody else is canceled and all this. But, you know, I, my feelings on it, and we could talk about this for six hours, but my feelings on it is this. As a, as a parent of football players, which I was, and as a coach of football players, every year we ask our parents to sign a consent form Mm-hmm. Because football can be a dangerous sport, so can cheerleading, so can soccer. You know, but we always ask our parents to make a choice. Do you feel like that this sport is safe enough for your student to participate in? And I literally feel like that's what we're going to have to do. It's just going to have to come down to, you know, look, ones that want to play can play. The ones that don't, you know, they, they, they sit this year out. And, uh, you know, our head coach, Dwayne Alexander, who's a great guy, he told our players when we, we got back together on a Zoom meeting of all things that somebody said, look, if you don't, you know, if your parents are concerned, if they feel like this is an unsafe deal for you, it's okay. You know, you're still on scholarship. We're not going to take that away, but but you can stay home. He told the coaches, you know, if you feel unsafe, hey, you can coach from home and, and we'll make it work somehow. So I feel like if you give the parents a choice, I think, you know, like in school, I've got two granddaughters. And uh, my daughter has chosen to keep them at home this semester, but she had that choice. You know, her school system is they're going to have in-person teaching and they're going to have virtual teaching. And, uh, you know, to me, I think that's what it's got to come down to. You know, uh, if, if somebody tests positive, hey, you, you quarantine them, you set them out and you move on. Um, but, you know, again, the, the scary thing about this virus for all of us is that uh, I, I talked to uh, one of my friends at TL Hannah this morning. And two kids on the team, they're brothers. Um, one of them's a year older, and both of them are positive right now. And one of them has absolutely no symptoms, and the other one was very sick. You know, so that, that's the problem with it is you never know how it's going to affect somebody. But, you know, like I said, the ones that we had test positive, they didn't have any symptoms. They would have never known, uh, you know, had they not been tested. So I, I think we will play. I think it's going to be different, and I think that all of us will have to adjust on the fly. But but I see us playing. I, I think football is just too important to our to our communities, to our schools, to our country. That um, you know, like Ed Orgeron said, you know, I mean, 
football is the lifeblood of this country in the fall. And, you know, just imagine all the things that would be different, all the sports that would be affected, all the other sports, all the people, the businesses that will be affected if we don't have football in some fashion. So I feel like, you know, I hope and I pray that we will play. Yeah, it's it's such a unique time, right, Coach? I mean, nobody's ever been through this. So how do you even know what to do, you know? Well, you know, I, could, I know this. Uh, you know, I was a head coach for, I guess, 29 years. And now that I'm an assistant, I'm kind of glad I'm an assistant right now. <laughs> you know, I don't have to worry about the big picture. I, I can just kind of take it day by day. But, you know, poor old Coach Alexander, you know, every day he's getting different news and we have to adjust but you know uh, football's a game of adjustments it always has been and if you if you're not flexible and you can't make those you're not going to be successful so it's hard because it's hard to be organized right now when when the floor keeps changing on you but i think it can be done and i think the teams that handle it the best will have the best chance for success absolutely coach coach you alluded to it talk about your philosophy as a high school head coach, offensively, defensively, um, you know, what did you believe in when you were all those years winning championships as a high school coach? Well, like I said, a gentleman named Jimmy Dorsey hired me and, and we were at Paulding County High School in Dallas, Georgia, our first, first stop. Jimmy had just visited Delaware the spring before and he had installed the wing tee. He had run it one year, I guess, when he hired me. And, you know, I was a, a quarterback, defensive back in, in high school and then a defensive back in college. Well, he hires me to coach his offensive line. I, mean, I didn't even know what those guys did in practice. You know, I'd never even seen them. And uh, yeah. so all of a sudden I'm having to try to be an offensive line coach in a wing T system using Delaware's terminology. But, but I learned in a hurry that, you know, it was a great offense. Uh, it had answers, which I believe, you know, my, my offensive philosophy is this. You can be a spread guy. You can be a wishbone guy. You can be a wing tee guy. You can be a veer guy. You can be anything as long as you're not just grabbing plays, as long as you have a system that has answers built into it. And, and I was so fortunate for, I think, 18 straight years, I went to the University of Delaware in the spring. And then for almost 30 years, we had a camp with them in Georgia that their staff came down and ran for us. And so they were so open and so kind to us. And, and uh, I learned so much and I learned answers. And I learned that being a ball control run team, in my opinion, gave you a little bit more success on Friday nights. You know, if you could run the ball, you could control the clock. It always made you better on defense. So, you know, I always prided myself we were going to be really good on defense. We were going to be really, really good in the special teams. And we weren't going to beat ourselves offensively. And, and that's kind of kind of the philosophy that, that I tried to, tried to live by. That's awesome, Coach. And, I mean, you guys, I mean, we played y'all in 2014. And I, it was a nightmare preparing for you, by the way. That was, that was one of the hardest weeks preparing uh, for your offense. And, Tell like why like why did you choose why did you choose to stay with the wing tee was you know was ball control was systematic is there anything else in there that made you go oh I hmm, I really like this well yes I mean I liked it for a ton of reasons but one of the most important ones I think if I hadn't have been a wing tee guy I might have been a triple option guy mm, okay. because you know I, again I grew up in an offense at Gate City that was a very run oriented offense 
and I and I my coach in high school made me believe in it, you know. But the wishbone, or at that time, you know, I was was the thing. And and when I was in college, and it was, it was it was fun to watch. It was beauty, but you had to have a really good quarterback to make it work. And if something happened to that quarterback, I kind of felt like you were kind of doomed. In the wing tee, and I think we've proven it over the years at places I've been, Delaware did, you could be successful with any type of quarterback. Mm. And, well, yeah, if you have a great one, when, when Delaware had Rich Gannon, I mean, you know, everything revolved around him, uh, you know, but there were other years where their quarterback wasn't a great player, and so now it revolved around their halfbacks, their fullbacks, or whatever. So I felt like it was really, really versatile, uh, I felt like you didn't have to have a great lineman. You didn't have to have a great quarterback. Uh, you could survive in those years you didn't. Mm -hmm. Certainly it helps if you do, but you, know, you could survive those years. And I, and I just felt like the misdirection and, and having answers. And Zach, I've said this to people so many times. I never, ever lost a game where, or played a game, won, played, lost, whatever where I felt like after the game that we didn't have an answer on offense. Now, the problem was that sometimes I didn't think of that answer until I looked at the film, you know, or sometimes we thought of the answer, but we couldn't get our kids to, to execute it because we hadn't worked on it enough in practice. But mm -hmm. Delaware scheme, uh, you know, whether you like it or whether you don't, I promise you, there was an answer for anything someone did to you defensively. Now, again, you had to be smart enough to, figure that out and, and then hopefully your kids, you'd work on enough, your kids could execute it. But, you know, I just can't imagine uh, being in an offense, if somebody takes what you do best away, that you don't immediately have an answer. And, and Delaware did, and they were, they were kind enough to share that with me. And, you know, I learned as I went kind of, it was a work in progress, but, you know, being able to have answers, not having to have great personnel every year, being able to adapt what type of wing T offense you were going to be based on your personnel. Uh, you know, again, there's a lot of good offenses out there, a lot of work. But mm -hmm. for me, the wing T just fit. It checked all the boxes for me. Absolutely. And, Coach, you talked about playing great championship-level defense. How? What was your philosophy there? How, what did you like to do uh, on defense in your, in, your, in your years as a head coach? Well, a wise man told me when I first started coaching, uh, after my first year as an offensive line coach, I became a defensive coordinator. Hmm. I played defense in college, so, you know, I enjoyed that. But a wise man told me once, defense is not about what you play. It's about how you play. Hmm. And, you know, when I was a defensive coordinator, I, we just we stressed being fundamentally sound and just running your butts to the ball. And, you know, if you can get guys on defense to make it a priority to get to the football, you're going to be good no matter what you play. But in my defensive philosophy, you know, I never varied from the wing tee. I never strayed from it. But defensively, I've done a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I started out in a what we called back then a 50. Yeah. We were playing cover three and playing a, quote, straight 50. And, you know, we might get elaborate and shade the nose and eagle one of the, you know, tackles, as we called them then. Um, you know, then I went to a 4-3. I really liked that. Um, and we had success with it. But when with the advent of spread offenses, you know, you if you're a 4-3 team, you wind up moving somebody out of the box all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, 
when, when we started playing spread teams, that started giving us problems. We just didn't have a, enough flexibility in our coverages, I thought. So we stumbled upon the 3-3 three, three, uh, when I was at Camden, and, and it was going to be a, a, a pass defense for us, a nickel-type defense at first. Uh, well, we found it fit our personnel, and, you know, I loved having three linebackers. I loved being able to play cutbacks and counters with that third linebacker. Um, you know, it was easier to find DB linebacker types and it was great defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And, and the defense just kind of fit us. And so every stop, you know, since then, uh, I, I've been a 3-5 guy. With one exception, at Prince Avenue, I was fortunate enough to have Richard Bell as my mm-hmm. defensive coordinator. And, you know, Coach Bell was, a, was still a 50-type guy. Um, but, you know, I, I've done it all kind of defensively. But I think, you know, the, again, going back to my original statement, you know, what you play is not nearly as important as how you play on defense. And, you know, you got to get kids to buy in. It's about effort and it's about want to. And, you know, if they'll play hard for you on defense, you got a chance to be successful, get turnovers, all those things. Mm-hmm. Coach, talk about, you know, some organizational tips for coaches that are, looking to become a head coach or a head coach, what are some bedrocks of your program that you feel like really helped you over the years? Well, I would like to think if you ask guys that, that I coached with or whatever, they would tell you that, that I'm a fairly organized person. I mean, I, my desk right now, I've got a, a, you know, certainly I've got a calendar on my computer and all that, but I have a written calendar book that Everything that I am going to try to get done today, I've written it down. I'm going to check it off, all that stuff. But I think as a head coach, you know, as an assistant coach, you always want to work for somebody that has a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's just kind of grab button stuff here and there, it's frustrating. And so I tried to always be organized in everything I did. And, you know, I made a lot of notes about how really good people did things and, uh, gentleman that coached in Georgia forever named T. McFerrin. Uh, I heard T. speak one time and, and on, on organization. And he had everything, everything, you know, written down. And so I started doing that. You know, I mean, you know, who was in charge of changing uh, helmet buckles if one popped off? You know, who was a helmet buddy if oh, wow. your helmet popped off? You know, you knew to go ask this kid so you could get back in the game. And the things that T said and, and did, I, I tried to do it, tried to improve on. So, uh, you know, I had a young man that worked for me for many years named Jeremy Vendette, that he was more organized than me. And so he and I would get together and we came up, we came up with a year long plan. Mm-hmm. Started there, like all these things we got to do in January, all these things we got to do in February. And those were big things, you know, uh, program things. But then I also tried to be extremely detailed in, in practice. You know, I, I never wanted a coach or a kid to wonder what we were doing. You know, I, I wanted practice to be very detailed. And, uh, you know, I wanted everybody to have a plan. I wanted everybody to have a plan for their individual. I wanted them, we were going to always have a script, you know, and know what was going on in the team. And, and I think being organized, uh, I think that's the first thing that's, that helps you be successful. And, you know, again, I said, have a plan. You, you got to find something you believe in offensively and defensively. Again, doesn't matter what it is, but you got to believe in it and you got to sell that belief to those people around you or it's not going to work. Yeah, obviously you've been, you were very successful at doing that, Coach. I mean, very, very, very successful. Talk about your transition to, to college. What? So I know a lot of high school guys don't want to get into college. Talk about what are some similarities, differences? What would be your advice about – for guys looking to do that? 
Well, you know, Zach, when I got out of college and I came to Tennessee Tech the first time, I mean, my, my goal, my dream, I wanted to be a college football coach. That, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, I explained earlier uh, the way it turned out that year. I, I didn't get that opportunity. But once I got in high school, uh, you know, and, and I told a young man this yesterday, in fact, that anytime I've had to make a major decision in my life, it, you know, once you make that decision, it's up to you to make sure it's the right decision. You know, you've got to go into it and make it the right move for you. So, you know, once I made the move to high school, uh, you know, I loved what I was doing. I loved the kids. I loved the coaches I worked for. And, you know, I kind of, I forgot about college. I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of opportunities, but I had a couple that came along, you know, during, during my tenure. But by that time, uh, you know, we had four kids and, you know, I was making pretty good money and to pursue the college dream, you, you, you're going to have to go back and start at the bottom. And, you know, honestly, we couldn't afford to do it. And, and I didn't want to, to live that lifestyle, you know, at that particular time. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Coaching's coaching. Uh, I think wherever you're at, you know, it's up to you to find that happiness. But, you know, there's things that I really, really loved about high school football coaching. There's some things I didn't. Mm -hmm. Things I really love about the college deal, some things I don't, you know. But, uh, again, uh, you know, my, my goal has always been no matter what I decide to do, I'm going to try to convince myself it was the right thing and, and just move on. Yeah, Coach, doing you've been doing this a long time very successfully. What are some tips to coaches that – you know, are looking for longevity, like guys that want to be in this for the right reasons for a long time. What are some steps that we can take to, to do it the right way for uh, you know, a long amount of time? It's funny you say that. I, I told a guy this the other day, uh, a coach at Florida State, I hadn't been in it long, and we were at Florida State for watching practice, but one of their guys told me, he said, key to being a, a successful longevity wise coach is he goes you've got to marry right you got to marry well and I said what does that mean he goes he said you need a wife that's low maintenance and uh, <laughs> my wife would kill me for saying it that way but she is low maintenance you know she uh, it's it's very difficult you know like all of us in this business the hours you put in the time away from your own family that you have to devote to your team and those kids and their situations and stuff. And if you don't have a wife that's understanding of that, that has a hard time when you're not there, when you can't be there, you know, things like that, uh, it makes it more difficult. It really does. I, I think, you know, if you look at almost every coach that's had a long career, mm -hmm. you know, you can throw in successful or unsuccessful, but a long career, I think, you'll find a good wife behind them. And uh, it just makes it so much easier. I mean, my wife was great. Uh, she is great. And, you know, she never questioned if I came home, so I think I'm going to take a new job here. She'd go, okay, you know, and yeah. back up and go. And, you know, literally she raised four kids. She did all the things necessary with the kids and allowed me to devote time to coaching. And, uh, you know, yeah, like everybody, I think you look back on it and say, man, I should have spent more time here at home. I should have done this or whatever. Uh, but my wife was strong enough that, you know, our kids turned out all right in spite of this. But I think, you know, marrying well, having a good wife, I think loving what you do. Mm. Uh, and, and that's true in any business. You know, I, I don't ever feel like I've had a job 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't look at this as a job. I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy spending time with the coaches and, and kids, and I always have. And if you if you love what you do, uh, you can do it a long time. If you don't mm-hmm. like what you do, it's hard yeah. to be, it's hard to stay in it. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Coach. And Coach, as we 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 wrap this up, please just like what's a, give a nugget for like a young coach, something that you got as a young coach that may have carried you through tough times when maybe things were a struggle or you're trying to find an answer. What's something that you leaned on when things were, were difficult at times? Well, you know, when you say difficult, I'm not sure in what ways you're asking, I guess, but I, I'm going to assume maybe wins and losses. There you go. Yes, sir. Absolutely. When I first started out, um, you know, I was trying to be the best coach I could and, and, but I think, you know, the, the kids that I coached then, I, I've connected with a lot of them since I've started on this Twitter and Facebook stuff that mm, yeah. I'm new to. But I think, in fact, I have. I've apologized to some of the ones I, that I coached my first four or five years because I was learning every year. I, I wasn't to the point I needed to be. And uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made early in my career as a head coach is I didn't believe in my players enough. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, I was always worried to death, you know, can we beat these guys? Can we, you know, and eventually I figured out that if I worried about it, if I had that doubt about it, my kids were going to feel that way. And, you know, there came a point in my career that I just said, you know, I'm not going to go into a game thinking we, we're not going to win anymore. I, I'm not going to have doubts about our players. I'm going to believe they'll find a way. And I just think that confidence carries over to your assistants, carries over to your coaches and all that. And I mean, again, sometimes you don't win. But, you know, I, we used to do a little thing. I, I, I did this every year with my staff. We always went on a coach's retreat. Hmm before the fall. And I did it the first year I became a head coach and I did it every year since. Uh, and it was always a great time, fellowship. We, we did a great job planning. I mean, it wasn't a play trip, it was a work trip. But one of the first things we did, literally probably the first thing we did the first night, we would sit down, I'd pass out a sheet of paper to all the coaches around the table and I would ask them, okay, I want you to write down what you think our record will be this year. Oh, wow. And the new guys, you know, you never knew what, you know, the old guys knew what to write, you know, uh, the new guys didn't always. So, you know, you know, I, I was always expecting them to write 15 and 0, uh, but you know, you get a new guy on staff and, you know, he might think, well, I guess it's a great answer. He might put, you know, 10 and two or nine and one, or, you know, something <laughs> like that. And, you know, I wouldn't get, I'd collect them and, you know, wouldn't be names on them, but, you know, I just kind of look around the table and I'd say, okay, you know, here's, here's somebody that thinks we're going to be 10 and two. I, I said, which two games do you, you know, does that person, which two games can't we win? Or, mm-hmm. But my point was this, I didn't want any of my staff or me or our players to ever think that we weren't going to win. Mm-hmm. We'd find a way, we'd outwork them, we'd do whatever. And I just think as a, as a young coach, I didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I was in high school, we were really, really good. When I went to college, we were really, really bad. And, you know, so I, I kind of thought, well, you know, every game's up for, you know, mm-hmm. it's in doubt. But I found out as a coach, if you really believe in your team, if you have a good plan and you really believe in your team, 
the chances of them winning are a whole lot better, better than if you go into it doubting the outcome. And, and I just vowed I wasn't ever going to do that. And so I would tell a young coach this, you know, find something that you believe in, sell it to your team, and then sell them on the belief that they can win. Because mm -hmm. it's a fine line between winning and losing. Mm -hmm. But that line, you know, it revolves around you got to believe you can do something or it's not going to happen. Absolutely, Coach. Coach, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're a busy man. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. And, uh, Coach, you're, you're first class. I, I really thank you for coming on and doing this. Zach, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I like talking football anytime. That's, I guess that's why I'm still in the business. I just enjoy talking about football. And I don't have all the answers, please. I hope anybody listening to this doesn't, doesn't think that. I, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, but, you know, anytime anybody wants to ask me something, I'm, I'm good with it. And I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Coach, you're, you're doing awesome with Twitter. I wanted to build you up and instill confidence in you. You're doing great on Twitter. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I unfriended one of my former players, I don't know, probably uh, six weeks ago or something, and it really upset the young man. And I didn't even know I had done it. <laughs> so I told him, I said, man, you're going to have to give me a chance to, to learn all this stuff. So, yeah, you know, there's days I check it a lot. There's days I forget to check it, you know, so – I'm still learning, but I do know this. Uh, one of my friends and coaches in college told me, he goes, if you're going to be a college football coach, you got to get on Twitter, you know, because you find out a whole lot about these kids. So, uh, honestly, I've kind of enjoyed it. You know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but maybe you can. <laughs> Absolutely, Coach. That's awesome. And thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. No problem, Zach. Best of luck to you this year. Thank you, Coach.